Welcome to Entrepreneurs Podcast. That's Entrepreneurs spelled entre, like Spanish for between, pre, like our prepubescent sense of humor, and nerds, like the guys around the microphones. Speaking of guys around the microphone, I'm Daniel, the retailer. And I'm Kareem, the realtor. This is our first podcast, so we'll set this up a little bit. We wanted to have a space to investigate, explore, discuss, and even interview some great examples of entrepreneurs in our area, Central Ohio, and beyond. So, uh, Kareem, were you wondering why I pulled out a neon green tutu out of my backpack? Yeah, wondering would be an understatement. <laughs> I I don't normally carry the tutu with me, but this is a special occasion. I'm actually part of a group that's hosting a drag for Pelotonia event. Uh, that's drag is in drag queens. And oh, have, you're not drag racing? No, uh, that is probably the following weekend. We'll do something like that. But Pelotonia is a huge grassroots cycling event that helps fundraise for cancer research. In fact, in central Ohio, it's raised over $100 million for uh, cancer research. A lot of that goes right to the James Cancer Research Center. So I've ridden the last five years. I uh, had a, a great experience the past few years riding 180 miles. We have a group of six guys that got together and decided we're going to have this big fundraiser. So we actually have 11 or 12 drag queens that are going to be uh, performing and have offered up their time for it. It's this coming Saturday, July 16th. Doors at 7 and event from 8 to 10 at Axis in the short north. That's awesome. Is this the first year they're doing this? First year we've done it. It may turn into an annual event. just depends on how much money. We've actually sold all but 10 tables, uh, and the tables are only 60 bucks for four people. You hear that, folks? Yeah, right. You can actually find it if you go drag for Pelotonia on Facebook. You'll find the event or Axis's webpage. You can look there. Uh, what's really cool uh, about the event is that we're going to sort of have fun with it and be almost like biking clowny queens riding around to Queen and some other songs. But anyway, when I started thinking about Pelotonia and I started thinking about this podcast, Entrepreneurs, I thought about Stuart Hunter. Stuart is actually a really great local entrepreneur. He founded Roll Bike Shop in 2005. So more than 10 years and four stores of flipping the script on sort of what that store model and the bike industry as a whole. I actually met with him recently and found him to be a really passionate founder who was frustrated with that status quo and really leaping on uh, to the leading edge of the industry. So what I like about this guy is that he sort of found an opportunity and as a branding expert, he used to work for Fitch, oh, it's an international branding company, and decided that he could change the way bike shops were. He saw this experience of riding a bike as exciting, inspiring. Some people would say life-changing, in my case. But shopping for a bike wasn't easy. And it, you'd walk into these spaces, they're dark, there's bikes everywhere, gear you've never heard of, nothing has prices, and you just feel like you're uh, a fish out of water. But he creates these stores that are, he creates these stores that are more like living rooms for bikes. You happen, there's carpet on the floor, really great salespeople. It's a very well welcoming environment. But that led me to the idea and the subject of experiential retail. Hmm. Kareem, have you heard the term experiential retail before? All right. So experiential retails, it's, it's in the name. So it's all about providing a standout experience to the customer. Right. 
And I think for bricks and mortar, they're really looking for an experience that's going to get people up off their couches and come in to try and experience something in the store. You know, I think of places like REI that will have a rock wall in there and they'll teach classes on climbing so that people can get more comfortable with their equipment. Um, Unfortunately, for a lot of retail businesses, they've been dealt with the Amazoning of the industry where everyone sort of comes into your store, showrooms the product you have, meaning they sort of research it by finding it and playing with it in your store, then look it up on Amazon and see how much it costs and then have it sent to their house using their Amazon Prime account. For free shipping. Right. And so, unfortunately, there's a lot of businesses dealing with this, and obviously, roll and bike shops aren't immune to it. They're just like any other retail. So, Stuart's been trying to find what is going to be the next big thing to really make this an experience for people to come up and out, uh, get off the couch, and really learn about bikes. So, they started this thing called the Roll Perfect Fit System. Have you ever been to the airport, and you have to go through security, and they tell you to put your arms above your head and take everything you know, take your stuff out of your pockets. And Kareem, when you go to the airport, have you seen that machine? It's like a body scanner. Oh, I'm very familiar. Yeah. The body scanner is uh, intimidating. But in this bike shop, it's actually not that intimidating. When you get up there and they have... So they use the same technology. It's kind of the same. They use cameras and uh, lasers to identify what your fit is to the bike. Oh, uh, it looks like they have a video here on their website. Um I'll, I'll make sure to post that on Metigraphy. You guys will be able to watch it. Yeah, we can go check that out on the Entrepreneurs uh, post on Metigraphy.com. So, and the human, when we talk about lasers and all the technology, you actually have to combine that with the human touch. So there's people that know what they're doing, and they interpret that information and your preferences into the best bike for you. So he sort of built his brand with it, but his next idea is going beyond that to sort of integrating into just private label, custom bikes. And there's some other people out there doing that. But this guy, you know, he's got this already ready to go distribution channel of retail spaces that he's calling studios. And he also, uh, unlike any of the other brands out there, you know, Stuart is a super passionate guy who's got a really unique take on the industry. It's going to give him sort of uh, an advantage over a lot of other businesses. And on July 21st, he's actually having this huge Kickstarter campaign to fund this new idea. Uh, He's having an event at the Lane Avenue Roll Bike Shop. And in fact, local entrepreneurs Joe DeLoss from Hot Chicken Takeover and Jenny Brittenbauer from Jenny's Ice Cream are lending their brands to that event to um, sort of kick it off. So it's a really cool community of local businesses. Can you think of other sort of experiential retail experiences that you have sort of come across? I can only think of negative ones. Well, that's no good. So unfortunately, <laughs> you know, going back to the the whole issue with people going to Amazon to buy everything at the end of the day, the problem with creating that kind of experience is that you really need to find the right people. We're all very familiar with the experience of walking into a store that it doesn't nece- I'm not going to name names, but nece- it doesn't necessarily have to be a store with a bad customer service reputation. But you'll just go in there and whoever's working at the day, isn't, it, they're just not feeling it. And it just so happens that that might be the last time you visit that store because of how you feel about it. And um, I would say one of the things that I talk about when I'm consulting is that emotional momentum that you create when somebody walks into a building. So when somebody walks through the door, you have an opportunity to engage with them in a way that sort of moves the interaction forward or 
not engage with them in a way that sort of keeps the interaction flat or engage with them in a negative way, which sort of makes them feel like your typical retail and there's no reason why they need to be shopping in your store. So you have control as a retailer over that emotional momentum, sort of what keeps carrying people forward. But for me, I think that that experiential idea, I even think when I walked into Home Depot the other day, there's a sign that said, Saturday, we're teaching kids how to make uh, little wooden wagons and it's a free class. All you pay for is a few of the supplies, I guess. But you show up and they teach your kids how to sort of make a wooden toy, which I think is kind of cool. Or they have a little gardening for kids event. But those events are what are supposed to design sort of an, uh, an experience that people are willing to get up and out for. It seems like selling an experience is at the front line right now in in the business world, or at least the small business world. When you leave the house or leave the office and you go somewhere, you really want to have, you want to have an experience. You want to leave that place with some sort of emotional- Connection. Connection, or just, so you feel like you gained something. Reaction, right. That's, that's where you're seeing people like Stuart and uh, Jenny and all these really great examples just popping up left and right. and. Uh, it's really easy when you do it right, when you establish a connection, when you have your customers trust, they know that you are committed to providing them the the best customer service, You're, you stand behind your product, whatever it is, whether it's a good or a service. Yeah, if you think about Jenny's, when you walk in that store, you don't have to buy anything. You can taste every single flavor that they have. Every single time I've been in there, they have been just in a great mood. Mm-hmm. It's when you have the right people, it definitely helps the experience. It really makes it the experience. So, how do you find the right people when you have a small business? Well, I can tell you that no matter what business it is, you have to be patient and network all the time. Because usually, where you find your best people, your best assets are people who already have jobs, people who are already wanted and doing and killing it in a great way. And you have to find a way to sort of connect their passion and background to what you're doing to sort of bring them on board. Speaking of experiences, I this is time for the awkward transition. <laughs> what's what's more experiential than a Broadway play? I think that uh, when we talked about the Entrepreneurs Podcast last week, Kareem, you had mentioned one of the things that you were reading about and learning more about was the online ticket game and found Hamilton specifically interesting because it was all over everybody's uh, sort of front pages. So Hamilton was the, the only musical I'm aware of that kind of drew me into the Broadway world. Before that, I, I remember growing up, we had an Ida soundtrack. It was, um, it's based off of an opera, but Elton John made a musical for it. And, you know, that, that was cool, but that was years ago. Anyway, so that kind of introduced me to the scalping of tickets, that just the concept of buying out every, all the tickets available at the, at the box office and selling them for a lot of profit. Now, of course, this is extremely illegal and it's very unethical because you're really, you know, you're screwing people out of their money. But here's the thing. One of the best ideas or one of the best ways to ensure that you are going in the right direction when starting a business is to look for a need, look for an opportunity. I'm and I'm not endorsing scalping, but <laughs> at all. You know that's completely illegal. Don't do it. Buy your tickets on Ticketmaster. But 
when you're sitting at home at the end of the day and you're just thinking if you're unhappy with your job or you just feel like you're not doing you're, you're not heading in the right direction and that little thought pops into your head of hey maybe i should start a business listen to it listen to it and then sit down grab a pen and a paper and try to come up with a reason to why someone would need your service why someone would buy your product well you think about uh you're speaking of hamilton and sort of the culture that grew up around that that musical in the in the past year but i think when you talk about entrepreneurs that see a need or spark some creativity from something look at lin-manuel miranda who's the guy who wrote it and starred in uh, hamilton one of the cool things about the story of hamilton obviously is that it's been an entire uh year or two of this building of uh, the demand for the tickets. But when you look back at his story, he did this great musical called In the Heights that was really popular and had uh, won a bunch of Tony Awards. In fact, Lin-Manuel Miranda has actually won uh, everything but an Oscar. He's almost got the EGOT, the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. He's got all three except for the, the Oscar. So I think what's interesting about how popular he's been with that one big show in the Heights, he didn't let that sort of rest on that and realized he had a lot more in him. He sees this one little idea. And I think you had told me that he had introduced this poem at the White House and he said, Alexander Hamilton was the most gangster president we ever had. Yep. And he talks through this idea and explains and has this beautiful lyrical way to talk about it. And from that sort of expounded to this insane musical that everyone just can't stop talking about. And there's a great uh, carpool karaoke with James Corden and uh, Lynn online. You can find it. There's been millions of That's views. how I found out about the musical. I think uh, when you think about people like that and creating something out of nothing and the opportunity that exists, you see uh, whether it, it's a definition of an, uh, of a entrepreneur is that opportunistic bent to their personality. Joe DeLoss himself from Hot Chicken Takeover locally I was at the Columbus Startup uh, a couple months ago, Columbus Startup Week, and he presented, and he's, he talks about the fact that he he has this um, social model where he hires second chance employees. I mean, a lot of people have sort of breeded, uh, branded them as second chance employees, people that have got, been through the system, either have a, a prison record or a drug record or something like that, that sort of would make them uh, mostly unemployable to a lot of businesses, especially ones that do background checks like that. But... Joe specifically said, I want to target this group that needs help, find a way to sort of give them job skills and get them uh, promoted and uh, give them an experience they need to be successful in the world. But one of the things he specifically speaks about is that entrepreneurial spirit. And he says, had I grown up in a different neighborhood or a different part of town, my entrepreneurial spirit would have still been there but it would have been exercised in a way that didn't end up being hot chicken takeover. It might have just meant standing on the corner selling drugs. Ultimately, those are people that see a need and they see this entrepreneurial idea like this is something I can do. There's a low barrier of entry for it and a high return, high risk, just like starting a restaurant. You just need a little bit of help. You could start a restaurant, high risk, high return if it works out. But a lot of times there's a lot of challenges. So his experiencing entrepreneurs, whether you're, you know, you grow up in suburban Columbus or you grow up downtown, your entrepreneurial spirit could be exercised in different ways, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're negative. It's just where your situation has sort of put you. So I thought that perspective was really good. I think it comes down to, are you paying attention? 
Are you aware of what your market looks like? What do they need? What can you add? You know, this morning I was watching one of those videos where you're just talking about, hey, how to start a small business, how to create sustainable growth. And one of the things that stuck with me that I really don't agree with is nine times out of 10, um, and I'm quoting the gentleman, which I'll, I'll, I'll give you his name in just a minute. But uh, he said, nine times out of 10, the best way to have a successful business is to, to start a business that already has its own place in the market, uh, aka there's already someone doing this. You want to make money? Open another pizza place. I cannot disagree with that more. So going back to the topic that we, uh, you know, one of our topics today is experiential retail. If you're trying to create a new experience, you're trying to create something that's really going to stick with someone and they're really going to go home, talk about it, it's going to make their day. Why would you do the same thing as everybody else? Don't, I, I say, do, don't listen to that. If you have a different idea, if you have something that doesn't exist, just go for it. Why not? You, you don't need a lot of money to start a business. You just need time effort. You need to believe in yourself for well, other I, people to believe in you. I, I think that I, I didn't listen to this, but I could tell you that his point might be looking at organizations like Warby Parker. So obviously Warby Parker, there's plenty of people making uh, glasses. In fact, they figured out that Luxottica was one of the only makers of uh, glasses. They to, own well, most of the brands. Right. So they thought, let's figure out a way to make glasses inexpensively and create um, prescription glasses for $100 or $125 or whatever it was. They created this experiential retail experience online where they're going to send you five free frames and you can try them on, show your friends, and then tell them which one you liked and then they'll make it based on your prescription. And they started killing it. I mean, these guys uh, graduated from business school as a group. And I think this had actually started as a student project and then expanded into this real business. And they have been super successful. They've actually started opening bricks and mortar retail locations and done very successful with those in Chicago and New York and San Francisco. Now, what Warby Parker, if you're listening, I am not happy because all of your frames <laughs> are too small. Do you understand? It's too small. You have to be, give me a larger selection. But, you know, and to, to your point, there's Swell, look up Swell, water bottles, Tom's, they all have that kind of business model of, you know what, you buy one, we give one. Oh, Warby Parker has that idea where they donate money to the site program as well. But to expand on Warby Parker's success, one of the founders of Warby Parker also founded Harry's, the shaving company where they have this beautiful custom box that shows up with the razor and the beautiful blades that they got. They spent all this time trying to figure out where can they get these blades made? Cause obviously like Gillette and Schick and all these people own most of the blade manufacturing. They found this one place in Germany and they couldn't get a deal done. Finally, they had enough investment. They said, we're just going to buy that factory. So they bought this factory in Germany that makes these insanely quality blades and then started building a business off of razors, which for the last 50 years has been the only expansion of the market has been making blades more and more expensive by creating eight blades and seven blades and 10 blades and putting little tiny blades on them. And, and they're going to have, they're going to be vibrating now. You know, I don't know what it is about toothbrushes and razors. Everything's got to <laughs> vibrate now. Can you imagine if like everything you had vibrated in the bathroom, you're like, and my Contact lens case vibrates. I don't know why, but somebody would convince me it's better. It's so strange. Maybe, a, I don't know. I was going to go down the road of a vibrating loofah. 
for extra, you know, scrubbing power, but that probably would be bad. You'd be able to sell a lot of those. <laughs> I probably would be. If you're listening, uh, vibrating loofah is now trademarked and patented, patent pending. Now, I'm looking at their website here. It looks that it, it just looks amazing. You know, Harry's. When, when you do have a new idea, personally, I'm one of those people who, if I go to your website and I don't like the way it's laid out, I might not take it as seriously. Now, does that mean I'm right? No, not at all. But to me, it shows that you really kind of are proud of your product. They have, I'm looking here at the Truman set, which is you get a uh, the handle, three razors, and the... Um, what is that? Foaming shave gel, fifteen dollars. Awesome. And now I'm seeing you can you can have you can be on a shaving plan, so you could, they'll send you replacements every month. Would you go as far as ordering your razors online, though? Yeah. In fact, my, I wasn't using Harry's, but my father bought me a Harry's blade set for Christmas because he he actually got one and loved it so much, and he actually loved the shave gel so much that he bought me this set that's called the Winston's Shave Set, which comes with uh, all the things you'd need. And then recently, uh, I had to buy new blades. So I bought the new blades online. They came super fast. And the packaging it comes in, you can tell they've designed it to reduce the most amount of waste that they can when it comes. And the the way it clicks on to the razor is a great experience. All those parts go back to the sort of idea of experiential retail. But I'm telling you, this is an example of people who there's, you know, billions of dollars in razors. People are already doing razors, and they found a way to do it better. It's that idea of the better mousetrap. On the other hand, there are people that are creating industries that didn't exist. Like when you think of people that create these apps, such as Twitter, when it came out, like that didn't exist as a thing that people thought they needed to communicate in less than 140 characters. But they found a way to develop users from that and move forward. Now, are you familiar with Dollar Shave Club? Yes. So what would differentiate Harry's from Dollar Shave Club? No idea. Nothing Dollar Shave Club has ever done has engaged me in a way for me to learn more about it. And, I mean, I get plenty of ads that come up through social media for both Harry's Shave and Dollar Shave Club, but I don't know what necessarily differentiates the two. But a lot of them sort of come out of each other, right? So you have Warby Parker come out, and then you have Zenny.com show up which is a super low-cost version of Warby Parker. However, Zenny does not donate money to anyone. They don't have any money to donate to anybody because they're charging $12. I know. For a pair I'm of wearing glasses. a pair right now that cost me $20 what a, a with Z the prescription. Z-E-N-N-I? Yeah. It's, I'll, I'll warn you, if you do want to try it, just prepare to be uh, prepare to put in some effort. You know, really try your measurements, get everything done before you place the order. And just be open-minded. I have I have about ten pairs. I like three. Nice. But compared to you know my my other my, the ones I got from Lens Crafters, the ten pairs cost less than the one I got from the store. Yeah, that's crazy. And here's the thing: when I went to Lens Crafters, I did not have a nice experience. So you looked for an alternative. It wasn't bad. I'm not you know it wasn't they weren't rude or anything, but it didn't leave an impression. I didn't go out saying, oh, my God, Daniel, have you been to Lenscrafters recently? It's amazing. Their service is so great. It's so fantastic. Tell me more. Exactly. <laughs> so 
I think you guys get where we're going with this. If you have more examples of experiential retail, please uh, leave comments on our podcast page when you go visit it to subscribe. Again, you can find it on materiography.com. You can also just search for uh, entrepreneurspodcast.com, which should redirect you to that website. And then the other thing is we have the most amazing motivational speaker to leave you with today. This guy is remarkable. His name is Dan Pena. And... Kareem, uh, who, like he already said, spends a lot of time being motivated by the YouTube uh, channels that he watches. One of them happens to be this guy, and he kind of knocks you over with his personality. Show me your friends, and I show you your future. You want to know why you're all fucked up? Just look at the fucking bums you hang around with. That's amazing. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. You want to know why you're so fucked up? (laughs) There's his his second video that I watched that Kareem showed was this one where it looks like a regular training session. He probably has 30 people in the room. They're all wearing suits. They're probably all spent a lot of money to come to this event. And Dan's just talking about the things that he's learned through the years and how to be a successful person. And then all of a sudden he stands up and he starts to go, crazy and tells everyone why they're, well, he calls them fucking poor. (laughs) That Alex wants a fucking case study because he wants to know the shit behind it because he's stupid and that's why he's fucking poor. You don't need any motherfucking case studies. How many fucking times do I have to say? You have the fucking script. I said don't change a fucking word on the script. Not a comma. If it's got misspelled fucking words, send it out misspelled. The last thing you fucking need is a fucking case study. This is why you're fucking poor. This is why the cocksuckers watching this on YouTube are so fucking poor. All right, guys, don't listen to him. We did not mean to insult you. You're definitely not cocksuckers, unless that's your thing. Anyway, so this is a man talking to... This is a business coach, Dan Pena, that we mentioned... This is during one of his sessions in a castle. Uh, what is it? Guthrie Castle in Scotland. Now, businessmen and women. By the way, I think everything's a castle in Scotland. Like, if you have an address in Scotland, isn't it a castle? They don't have zip codes. It's just castles. It's like Guthrie Castle, comma Scotland, comma UK. <laughs> if you're listening in Scotland, I'm sorry, but I'm not because if you're listening in Scotland, you're in a castle. So. Pretty good place. Anyway, Dan's there in his castle. And people from around the world, let's be honest, probably just North America. He's not that famous. And the UK. And the UK. They're traveling over there to learn from this man. And he's insulting them and just being over the top. But that's a type of motivation that sometimes works. You know, sometimes if you try to deliver a message in a really... Nice, you know, all hugs, very warm way. It goes in one ear and out the other. So you just have to try the other direction. Anyway, next episode, if you want to know how to not be fucking poor anymore. (laughs) You can just continue listening to Entrepreneur's Podcast. Hopefully today you learned about people that take opportunity when it comes to them and turn it into a business. So for now, that's Entrepreneur's. Spelled entree like Spanish for between 
Pre, like our prepubescent sense of humor and nerds, like us around the microphone. Speaking of us around the microphone, I was Daniel the Retailer. And I'm Kareem the Realtor. <laughs>